What is it, a Monday club and a Tuesday club? Uh, well, there's Monday and the Tuesday club, and then <laughs> when, he, when he texted me Tuesday, there was no way I was going on Wednesday. <laughs> that much. Uh, That's fair enough. <laughs> Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Rugby on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. We have asked Rory O'Connor of the Irish Independent, though, to double job. He's just finished reviewing the papers and now he's here in studio to talk Ireland 19, South Africa 16. You are very welcome once again. Thanks, Joe. I haven't left. (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, just to get the ball rolling, some reaction from last night then. Johnny Sexton in the post-match press conference, he was asked about the fact that world champions in town, big game, Ireland having to underline their uh, number one status. So where does that rank in the, uh, well, Manny at this stage, uh, big wins in Johnny Sexton's career? Yeah, it's a good start to the year. Um, that's it. That's it, really. <laughs> you know, it's uh, we've got to, to keep building now, keep our performances improving and um you know, we won a triple crown last year, but you know, we want to we want to do something in the six and eight. It's not. A, we talk about the World Cup, but it's it's a good bit away. Like we, we need to stay present and and try and keep winning. You know, it's, uh, you don't get many chances in an Irish jersey, and you want to you want to win when you're when you're in one. So um, we need to keep building. Uh, hopefully, get some bodies back over the next couple of weeks, and uh, you know, two massive more games. Did you talk about uh, Jimmy O'Brien? Yeah, his uh, versatility is. Is pretty unique. Like he's played, uh, I think he's played ten for Leinster as well. He's he's a he's a fantastic footballer. Um, we thought he wasn't phased, but he told us he was shitting it uh, <laughs> after after yeah. the game, uh, which was news to me because yeah. I was present. He's he's calm, but anyway. Um, so it was uh, look. He came on and just like took the water. He was he was just straight into it. He knew what was going on. He he knew everything. Um, he just did his role really, really well, and fair play to him. Like to come into a, you know, most people get their first cap and, you know, in a smaller, smaller game or you know, a thing. He gets it against the world champions, and, and what a amazing uh, performance by him. And, and it's good for Connor because I thought he was, he was really good for uh, how long he played, 30 minutes, and yeah. uh, good at that. He had to come off with an injury on his 100 cap. It's cruel, but um, he can be, he can be unbelievably proud of the, the milestone as well. We're building well, uh, but we, we have to win. You have to win trophies. Um, we had a triple crown, obviously very pleasing last year. But you know, if you're talking about championships, Six Nations, uh, Grand Slams, World Cups, we've done nothing really. Um, so you can't compare it to teams that have teams that have won before. That's the that's the key to to being a good team is is winning trophies, and we we haven't done done it yet. And but we're building hopefully towards that. Nobody getting carried away with themselves. Yeah, it was very noticeable at full time. There was barely an arm raised. It wasn't euphoric in any way. I mean, the crowd was going um, ballistic around the place, but the the players on the pitch, whether it was true fatigue or just the reality that, that this was a one-off game in November, and while it was a great achievement, it was just a one-off game in November, um, it was noticeably muted. And I think that's probably a good thing, that they're not... You know, that there is at the start of a window, the start of a season, that the Six Nations and the battles against England to come are the, are the ones that will define, and silverware will define their own greatness. That you know they've achieved an awful lot as a team, and they're building something, and they play a lovely brand of rugby, and they're very easy to like. 
Um, I guess they, like us, have been burned before by peaking in, in the, a year out from the World Cup. I think that's very evident when Sexton speaks. And I think as captain, he sets a very good tone. His mm. post-match, uh, he speaks, like, you know, when you have been around for so long and, like, he's clearly a really intelligent uh, fella as well. He um, he has the gravitas. I mean, he was asked way more questions than Andy Farrell in the press conference yesterday. That just, you know, shows the status that he has in Irish sport. Um, and I thought he, he was he, he struck all the right notes yesterday. I mean, you know, they want to win the Six Nations now and then it's about the World Cup and it's all part of building towards something. So they uh, they were impressive yesterday. He made the point elsewhere that Ireland didn't play extraordinary rugby here. There was a degree of uh, grinding this out and that's very pleasing. The first 15 minutes of that game it looked ominous. Mm. South Africa had all the territory, had all the possession. Ireland had made 50 tackles in about 15 minutes. It looked almost unsustainable. There was that passage of play in the Irish 22. It was phase after phase after phase after phase. And and that South African blitz defence was squeezing up. And I think there was an injury and almost a chance to draw breath. And gradually across that first half, Ireland began to steady the ship and then grow into the game. Yeah, and I think they, they weren't allowed to play really because South Africa brought a level of defensive ferocity um, that shut them down. And I, it was interesting, I thought New Zealand or the All Black A game on Friday night, they showed a template about how to stop Ireland in, in the way they rushed up and hit the ball, the distributing forward. So the first guy who, it was it was often Ross Maloney, you know, he, he usually has time to pull whatever pass he needs to pull. But on Friday night, he was getting smashed. And mm. South Africa didn't go about it the exact same way, but everyone's studying Ireland. It was really noticeable at the URC launch every this year, every earlier this year, all of the URC teams were watching Ireland and trying to attack like Ireland. So they've now reached a point where, because they've been able to beat the All Blacks in the way they did, because they play such unbelievable rugby, everyone's studying them. And some, some teams are trying to copy them and other teams are trying to figure out how to stop them. So the South Africans brought that level of ferocity and stopped Ireland from playing and sucked Ireland into the, exactly the kind of game that I thought they would struggle with mm. and it's the game that they probably didn't want to play and I, I, ominous was the word I, I, I think I tweeted that it, it was looking ominous at one stage during the first half and I, I did feel that it was only a matter of time before the, Ireland would be overwhelmed but they took, they drew breath in that moment they had a couple of like McCluskey makes a big carry Mac Hansen had a couple of half breaks that kind of gave them a bit of relief um, they got themselves to half time and in this, that 10 minutes after half time they obviously adjusted whatever they were doing in in the break and came out and they took the chances when they came. And they weren't... You know, the first try was, was a mall, which is a massive statement, but also was not the way... Like, while they, they the mall was very good in New Zealand, but it wasn't the way we expected them to score. Yeah. And the second try, while the South Africans are giving out that there was an illegality at one of the rooks in the build-up, the way they pounced and they, they took their counter-attacking ball and they were, they were clinical um, really spoke volumes about the fact that even when their attack wasn't clicking, when they needed to, to deliver something, they had the presence of mind to be able to do it. Gibson Park felt very much to the fore as well in that opening period of the second half. The tempo, and Murray had played well and ironically injured with that brilliant break. Yeah. But the tempo noticeably picked yeah, up. Yeah, Murray was fine. You know, he, 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 he did well. He was a seven probably out of ten if you were doing player ratings. I thought he was... You know, he was playing to a plan and, and if if the pack in front of you are, are getting minced in the collisions you need to go to the air and people groan when they see box kicks but Ireland picked up their three points at the start it was actually ironically it was touched in the air but Ringrose wins it back they win the penalty off that so the, the, the box kick is, it does have to be part of Ireland's armoury even if, if we if we don't like it and Murray is very good at that but yeah there's, there's certainly there's Gibson Park in the way he scans as he arrives at the rook so he knows what he's doing before he gets there there's not many people maybe DuPont and Smith can do that. Paranar was very good on Friday night as well. There's not many people who were able to do what he does. And Murray 
I don't think Murray has that in his locker. Murray's very good at a lot of other elements of the game. He's a stronger defender. He was very, you know, he, that break he made was excellent. And it was really sad to see him come off when he did. But it didn't weaken Ireland. And Gibson Park, for all that he hadn't played a minute all season, brought an electricity to the to it. And like, look, he's he's in the top three scrum halves in the world now. There's, mm. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, how New Zealand never let him go is, is just a mystery. Really, it speaks to the resources they have. And you know, Farrell spotting him and putting him in when he wasn't even starting for Leinster is a real um, feather in his cap of a kind of an endorsement of what he's of how he's able to see a player. Mm. Johnny Sexton there referenced Jimmy O'Brien. So I mean. Ireland threadbare at centre. This was a real test of strength and depth. McCluskey went off. It was about 26, 27 minutes on the clock. You're bringing on O'Brien. It seemed, Alan Quillen said it on the TV, you would have had a good look. It did seem Ringrose moved 12 yep. and O'Brien 13. That's a double blow. I mean, you're losing your great well, defensive you're using size. mind. Yeah, and you're using an, an awful lot of size. Because, sure. you know, what McCluskey brings, as well as a lot of other things, but he's not a, he's bigger than Robbie Henshaw. And he may not be as powerful as Bundiaki, but he has that solidity that you want from your tw- your Test twelve, and mm-hmm. um, plus all the other you know um, bells and whistles that he brings. And he was very good for those twenty eight minutes. He he really adapted well. And I think that was a big plus point for yeah. for Farrell. But to you know J- Jimmy O'Brien when Easton Asiwa left Leinster, he was asked which player you know have you earmarked for kind of great things in the Leinster Academy. And obviously you know he was picking from a pretty strong group, and he said Jimmy O'Brien. Right. And um, what he what he brings, it's a bit Hugo Keane and some sometimes reminds me of one of those kind of former All Blacks who get signed by European teams and just looks like he's so comfortable and I think Jimmy O'Brien has some of that they're footballers and it doesn't really matter where in the back line he plays he can slot in comfortably and he's able to do it but at that level to play 13 against that particular opposition I thought it was really impressive that he was able to slot on and actually again like Gibson Park um almost improving things because of what he did he gave them that left footed kicking option which was really valuable at times he got them out of jail a couple of times yeah. um, and now they know that they can rely on Jimmy O'Brien so that's another um, and, and they're light at, in, in the back three he was supposed to play for the A team on Friday night he had played for the Mar- against the Maori during the summer so he had gotten close to the level but this was this was another um, test for him he passed it he'll probably play against Fiji next week and he's in the mix for Australia a week later and now they you know that injury has could have derailed them but actually it's now exposed a player and he's thrived and that's now turned into a good thing The other aspect of this game which was well flagged was the box defence that blitz defence mm-hmm. and the game within the game in the first half really was Ireland desperate to get out wide and the box closing up and quite successfully it never quite worked for Ireland they were close a couple of times why um, couldn't they quite get around them and, and make a breakthrough do you feel in that first half and I think to be fair a lot of it is that box defence well, is really like good Jack Nienabert is one of the best defence coaches in the world yeah. and, and he and Andy Farrell would have worked um, mm. together like Farrell talked about this yesterday because Farrell was Ireland's defence coach when Nienabert <coughs> excuse me was Munster's defence coach yeah. and they are one of the best defensive teams in the world and they shut Ireland down and they it was line speed it was really line speed good decision making you know, Mapimpi came up and absolutely smashed was Hugo Keenan, Hugo Keenan that was on the edge. It was yeah. such a good piece of play, good good piece of defending. They uh, they had done their analysis. Like, you know, it, 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 and this is what we kind of thought might happen that that Ireland's attack 
is almost designed to beat New Zealand. It's, it it works against them the, mm. the way, and the way they play, where South Africa bring a very different challenge. And Ireland thinking their way around that was was impressive. I think if South Africa, if you said to South Africa, you limit Ireland to 19 points on Saturday, they would think they would have won the game. Right, okay. I think where they lost the game was their own attacking limitations and the fact that they refused to pull, refused to pull the trigger on passes that Ireland would have given. So a couple of times they had overlaps out wide and a forward would get the ball and, and, and they wouldn't go out the back. He would tuck and run or even they would always go for the front door option when they had someone going around the back. Ireland would have nor- would have pulled it back to the guy going around the back and would have just exposed the space out wide. There was space there. Mm-hmm. Ireland played to the space better than South Africa did. But um, I think South Africa would be quite happy with their defensive effort. I mean, the, the try... Losing a mall try would be fairly. That would be a stain on on their reputation, and they'd be pretty st- stung by that. Yeah. The second try, I think they'll put down to the fact that it's a refereeing error, followed by you know just this, this organization that comes from turnover ball and, and Ireland's really clinical attacking play. Like well, the passing was lovely in that moment. Wasn't it just? I mean, that's the. I mean, heads up rugby was the most overused phrase I think of the early part of Farrell's tenure. Mm. But if we could have fast forwarded to that moment and watched them uh, finish that half chance I suppose is what it was as Caelan Doris goes to scoop that ball you'd say okay it's really coming to fruition now yeah yeah and it was backs and forwards it was you know guys who come on as a, a replacement who just fit into the system Finney Bealham pulls it back Gibson Park makes the break and then suddenly they have the overlap but they still have to make the passes and they weren't necessarily easy passes to make and, and they delivered them Keenan again making a lovely pass um, when, he, when he needed to stay in calm and delivering for Mark Hansen I mean that is the hallmark of this Ireland team, and it was it was just one one of a few moments where they flowed. You wouldn't say they ever really got into that flow that they no. showed New Zealand yesterday. No, but they did enough to win the game. They got back up. They got that three points from Sexton. They had an out half who was able to kick his goals. I know he missed two touchline conversions, but they were difficult kicks. Where South Africa didn't have a goal kicker on the pitch, which you know again was a fundamental mistake. Mm. Um, which you would imagine they're not going to make in ten months' time. No, I would think for all his brilliant feet, that could be. Um, uh, day remembered for Damien Willems when it comes to selection again yeah, so certainly 10 uh, 10 yeah as the second half uh, progressed the two tries happen the other um, question mark I suppose was uh, not just about Ireland up front but the strength in depth of the bench and that holy trinity of do not get injured for Ireland is Sexton Porter and Furlong Furlong got injured Bealham came on and in fairness to him I think we can be a touch less worried now about Finley Beelan when he has to come on he's not no one's tagged Furlong mm. but he certainly held up his end of the bargain in the scrum and in the general exchanges up front no? and he has done fairly consistently and what we wondered was when they go up to this level against a South Africa or France or or even in England you know it, when he comes up against the monstrous uh, players that he's playing against would he be able to cope but he, like Kitsop is it, Kitsop had a bad day yesterday but he is renowned to be one of the best scrummers in the world Ulster have just given him a three year deal you know he is and he's an unbelievable signing and he started the game really really well Yeah, um, it was it was clever from Bielham. Like I don't think he ever got on top of Kitsop but he was able to almost trick him into making mistakes you know he kind of he lost his feet at one of them Um and he dealt with it. He like there was ne- he was never there was one scrum where they, they got into a bit of bother, but other than that, they were able to to um, to kind of negotiate that area of the game very well. And like you're looking at the weights of our second rows are just so much lighter than the, the the South African second rows. They're not really there's no scrummaging lock in there in, in the same way you have with Etzebeth. And and yet Ireland were able to cope, and they've obviously worked really hard on that area under John Fogarty over the last. 18 months I mean the first test New Zealand didn't go that well in the scrum over in Twickenham there was a bit of a disaster only for England we're down to 14 men I think 
um, that could have been a much different result and yeah. I think France will feel they have Ireland's number but if you can come up with strategies to cope it won't be the ending and that's what the fear has been is that like the World Cup final that you come up against a team like this they'll just squeeze and squeeze yes. and you won't be able to cope and Ireland the, coped and their mall, their mall defence was exceptional There was a moment I think around the hour mark when Oxche and Manambi came off the bench and they won the first scrum mm. and I think you had that World Cup final thought yeah. And then Ireland did brilliantly maul turnover, another scrum, and Ireland won the scrum on the hour mark. Yeah. And that felt like a big, big moment, moment in yeah. that game. Uh, that said, South Africa came, you felt they would, they emptied the bench. Uh, Johnny Sexton had an interesting um, comment as well after the game. He said, we probably didn't play our best rugby, as uh, you said, Rory, but he said, that's also a very pleasing thing because maybe a couple of years ago, we would have crumbled or not shown the guts that we did there. So that was very pleasing. I'd say a few former teammates are thinking, yikes. Um, but Ireland just had to defend for their lives in the last quarter, it felt like, at certain points. They managed to do it. Uh, there was a moment where Gibson Park had to tackle someone about four times his size. August Smith, yeah. Which looked no fun. Um, so there was just a degree of bodies on the line to this performance and South Africa could easily have scored. They didn't as it happened and so everybody's happy. But... Uh, to what extent does that allay well, fears against which, bigger I'd teams? To, I was actually in the press conference, so I had the opportunity. I didn't press him on that and, and say uh, and ask him what what era was he talking about. I would suggest he's probably thinking about 2020 when they went over to Paris for that Six Nations decider in lockdown and, and wilted. You know, they kind of went to pieces that day and yeah. um, stuck down uh, a full back day. Yeah, and and the second, you know, just the second half, they just got worse and worse. And yeah. Things got wrong, and then he got taken off and lost the head. And Farrell said um, after that, we went into our shells. That yeah, was the big quote yeah. that night. Yeah. And they'd been broken by England the previous year, so they were very low on belief and confidence, and they weren't the unit that they are now and they didn't have a bench their bench was coming on it really wasn't strengthening things whereas they seem to have found the combination on that bench that is coming it's not like Farrell said on Friday I'll never call them the bomb squad or Thursday but they are uh, they are a collection of good forwards who don't have the size of the South Africans but they're, they are effective so um and they've worked a lot on their mental strength. They've brought in Gary Keegan, the, the guy who built the high-performance unit for Irish boxing, worked at the dubs. He's referenced continually. They've hired a full-time sports psychologist, the RFU, um, who works with all of their teams across the different fa- factors. They've put a lot of resources into building mm. resilience, building uh, that word that everyone's using in, in every line of work. But um, that's part of it. And I think they showed resilience yesterday. I think they showed that, that they are mentally stronger than they have been maybe, you know, I think under the previous regime that level of disruption may have thrown them off course but because they don't play to quite the level of, pre- of prescription yeah. they kind of found their way through it and that was that was pleasing for them as well makes them more adaptable almost yeah absolutely they had to play they had to think their way through that game and they had to take some punches and come back and, and counter punch and Neil Francis in today's papers described them as light heavyweights against heavyweights and there was a bit of that they had to be tactical and, and they were smart and look they've one of the smartest rugby players in the world operating at an incredible level at 37 Um still bravely taking the ball to the line and, and finding holes in, in, in a very good defence and, and that's that's an integral part of it you know he, he, Johnny Sexton was excellent yesterday mm. um, and that's you know that, that can't be you know, I think sometimes we, we almost forget about him because he's been there for so long and he's so consistently good but uh, um, it's really no one's getting too excited we, we talked about this in the pay-per-view you know, no one's getting too excited by the fact that we've beaten the world champions because we, everyone knows what the draw is next year but I think there's reasons again to feel confident about this team without you know proclaiming them the, the the world the world champions awaiting just yet. Yeah, because well, I was saying to you on the pay per view, and there's a degree of us repeating ourselves here, but um, I suppose when you look at Ireland, 
to a large extent because I suppose of Sexton's age and maybe Keen Healy's age. I look around at England, South Africa, France, and New Zealand, certainly Ireland as the main contenders. Australia obviously gave France a good game as well. And it does occur to me that if you said to any of those teams, do you want the World Cup this month or do you want it next year? Ireland would be in the minority of saying, oh, we'll take it this month. Because the game plan has blossomed beautifully and other teams haven't had eternity to try and figure it out and counteract it. And maybe we saw the beginning of some of that on Friday night at the RDS, although it's a small sample size. Mm. But the game plan has blossomed beautifully. Johnny Sexton is very possibly going to be better next year. I've given up writing this man off, but he's unlikely to be better this year than he's been this year, playing 80 minutes every time. It's another year on the clock. Uh, Whereas you look at South Africa, they've blooded a lot of players this year. You suspect they'll be better next year and they've so many players to pick from. England definitely want another year. New Zealand definitely want another year. Uh, France, you weren't so sure, but I, I would say their age profile means there's no reason they won't be better again another year. So... Look, peaking is, is maybe the wrong kind of thing to focus on because you can't say, well, let's not be as good this year because it will automatically follow that we'll somehow be better next year. You have to be as good as you can be and the team deserve all the plaudits in the world for that. Mm. I suppose the best way to put it is, as I've put it, I think they would be in the minority who would say World Cup this year right now would be better for us than in 12 well, months. Well, they would like to have Ronan Kelleher available. They'd like to have Ian Henderson available. They'd like to have Keith Earls, Andrew Conway. But I guarantee um, in a year there will be the same percentage of injuries. Not injuries that, World Cups generally you get to with one or two gone, but largely you get there with your your full complement. But I'm just saying they're players who could come in and strengthen it. If you have Ian Henderson, you're 23 yesterday, you've a better, you've a better, I know Kieran Treadwell did okay. He was beaten on the line for that Lou Diego tr- or that Franco Mostert try. But um, Ian Henderson's a better player than Kieran Treadwell. So you put him either in the starting team it gives you options. Uh, you either move Byrne to six or you bring Byrne off the bench or you bring Henderson off the bench. That's an option. You've got Rob. Rob Herring did very well yesterday. Roland Kelleher is, is an upgrade on him. That's that's inc- yeah. improving your tight five. So there is room for improvement just in terms of personnel. There's another year as Sexton gets older, I guess it's it's not going to compensate for that. But there are, there are young players who will be a year older and a year more ready and will have a year's worth of rugby largely with Leinster under their belt to to be more ready for the World Cup and add to Farrell's options. So there are ways that Ireland can get better personnel-wise. It's whether they can take their game any further. You know, they think that they have room to improve in their game and that they, they can refine what they do more and more. Now, one of the big lessons we to- we were told after the 2019 World Cup was that Ireland failed to evolve their game in 2019. That they basically finished 2018 and said, right, we're ready. And they tried to sit on that and they tried to keep doing what they were doing. And England exposed it in the first game. They, they found a way. Ireland can't do that. And I think yesterday showed that they don't have just one way to win and that's a good thing. But mm. also, when they play South Africa in the World Cup final, sorry, World Cup pool game, and that's not actually the most important game. Really, Freudian, Freudian slip they play South of Africa the conversation. Can we clip that up? Uh, yeah, please? that's it. Wow. Uh, when they play them in the World Cup finals um, <laughs> yeah. next year, and it's not the most important game, but it's going to be a bit, because you know, once they beat Scotland, they'll be out of the pool. Yeah. South Africa will have a 10 who will kick goals and you know they left seven very kickable points out there whereas Ireland really took most I know they missed as I said earlier they missed those two pen, those two conversions but really they took the points that were on offer over the course of the game um, it's up to them to keep adding layers to what they do and to keep moving and not staying stale not staying still maybe that's personnel maybe that's finding another Mac Hansen or you know finding another like you know, this time last year he was barely mapped, and now suddenly he's one of the best wingers in the world. And, yeah. and 
Farrell has been able to do that. So, you know, there's a year to, you know, not quite a year to go, but there's, a lot, there's still a lot of rugby to be played between now and then. There's a lot of time for them to refine it. They just can't sit on what they have. And yesterday wasn't like that 2018 win over New Zealand when it felt like they were just the best team in the world. Yesterday was more, let's dog it out. Mm. And But South Africa are still, you know, coming at, at them right at the end. Like South Africa didn't die wondering, you know, they, they, they kept going. And they they'll feel like a lot to get better with, and then you know their system is much different to ours. They will have that World Cup um, warm up period and that rugby championship beforehand will be so valuable for them because that will be time together. Whereas the Irish players are hot housed in one, largely in one in one place for most of the season yeah. and play together an awful lot. So a lot of the advantages Ireland have are negated in the you know build up to a World Cup. So so would um, you take a World Cup? This month or in twelve months? I think you would, yeah. Like if you were offered one, I mean, it's 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 very much a hypothetical. I don't think World Rugby are going to uh, no, do no, it for us, but for the I think you would, yeah. Like I yeah. think right now they are. I think no one wants to play them. Like yeah. they are, and what what they also are is great to watch. And I think there's, there's you have to admire what Farrell and Mike have put together. You know, they're, they're a very likable team, and where like South Africa are brutally effective, but they play awful rugby. And and Ireland managed to to they played a little bit of awful rugby yesterday to win the game, but. Mm. Um, you'd back them against anyone right now um, when everyone's back at their level next year that might not be the case but it's looking good but then you know well, I was probably in here four years ago saying it was looking good as well so I think we're all burned by those experiences sure. over the years Razzy Rasmus has uh, tweeted a video of the Irish try where Doris uh, scooped the ball up the Mac Hansen try and the implication is not impressed not happy with the consistency of the referee yeah I mean South African seem to be just obsessed with referees and look referees make mistakes and everyone gets ends up on the end of uh, bad decisions and this looks like it is a bad decision um, Dan Sheen seems to come into the rook kick the ball out and Doris pounces on it and I think it's not quite the last play but one of the last plays or one of the decisive plays in the end game um, a South African player gets punished for doing the exact same thing so it is okay. an inconsistent application of the laws but for the team that's won three World Cups uh, and the country with like the most outstanding array of rugby talent in the world to think they're on the end of some sort of conspiracy theory is just hard to take um, and Razi Rasmus who you know is a very impressive figure in many ways like, I just don't know how many favours he's maybe he, look he's playing to his base maybe and he's he's riling up the troops back in South Africa to go on social media and, and abuse it, everyone everyone and anyone and undermine the officials but like like you've, you, they, he'd be better off showing clips of his his forwards not throwing passes they should have passed he'd be better off showing clips of Damien Vilemsen missing kicks that he should never miss and Cheslin Colby I mean they lost the game themselves like the referee makes mistakes every referee makes mistakes over the course of 80 minutes test rugby's unbelievably intense and yeah. referees are going to make mistakes and it's not going to make their lives any better um, well to the contrary this. actually during a line series the referees come out and talked about the immense pressure mm. And it worked, I guess. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, like it was ser- like their mental health was under genuinely serious pressure. Yeah, and so going on Twitter, so he says, "Tough test match. Thanks for all the support from South Africa. Thanks to our supporters at the Viva. You definitely understand the game, and it's great to play in an atmosphere like yesterday. It surely was a game of big battles and small margins." And he shows the two clips: yeah. Ireland getting away with the offence, South Africa not. Why, given his stature, does he feel the need to try and set the Twitter mob on a referee? it's beneath his standing in the game well it's really poor and I would have thought with his I'm so sorry routine at the end of the line series and I never leaked the video and I you know it, it's all awful you would think you'd have a bit more grace I guess he's thinking about who would have played next week is it France, France. away yeah. so he's thinking about that 
he's setting the tone. He's he's saying to World Rugby, look, look at what you've done to us. You know, you, you've done us again. So he hasn't uh, changed. Uh, he hasn't changed a touch. No, but I mean, he never. He, I never thought he would. And like, there are like, there's, I don't know. You don't, you want big characters in the game and all on all of that. But I do think this is a sport that's supposed to be about respect for referees. Like st- people in football still highlight how rugby treats its referees as if it's some sort of. I'm like, <laughs> they obviously don't watch any rugby because. No. Um, this is undermining the authority of a, of a young Georgian official who's highly rated. Um, yesterday was the biggest game of his career to date. He made mistakes, but every referee makes mistakes. Every player out there made mistakes. That's yeah. the point I was trying to make. You know, yeah. Lemsa didn't go out to miss those kicks, but like he cost the South Africa the game way more than than this referee did. Yeah. So, and, and you're I, right. It is. It should be beneath them, but it's, no, not, it's not. It's, no, it's, it's part not. of his. It's part of his brand. You know, he's kind of like, even his carry on and the onslaught did a really good piece in the Times yesterday about kind of chronicling Razi's kind of year out of the game or whatever it was, and his kind of you know trying to show World Rugby that he didn't care. But the South Africans seem to to lap it up. They seem to to love what he brings. He's obviously delivered like after the World Cup final, the way he spoke, and even in that chasing the sun documentary. Apart from the softies line about about Ireland, um, I mean he's such a he can be such a dignified speaker. He can be such a powerful speaker, such a powerful man. He's really charismatic. I mean, if you're in the room with him, he's he he holds the room. He's he has a lot going on with him, and he's highly highly intelligent. Mm. But I do think, and he never really did this. I don't remember him ever doing this with Munster. No. But this is a new thing. I mean, he's embraced social media in a very interesting way for a coach, and it, it beyond just this stuff. I mean, he was doing selfie videos from within the World Cup dressing room to send messages back to the South African people, which I thought was really good way of connecting with fans and, and breaking down the kind of traditional barriers and stuff like that but the last couple of years certainly my my impression of him has I, I might has gone down through these videos I, yeah. I prefer if he didn't do it um, I, and, and I presume you've no problem whatsoever with him sending that straight to world rugby it's sending it out to the Twitter mob yeah and maybe maybe that's my footy duddy or if he said it in the press conference that we thought a few a few calls went against him and I, I probably wouldn't be as Mm. As, but the fact he's adding a clip he's kind of doing it in a kind of oh the Irish fans know know their rugby and kind of trying to be charming at the same time and not actually saying that this is wrong but just showing a clip that self-evidently there is a mistake in it maybe this is the modern world maybe Andy Farrell needs to get himself a Twitter handle and start pointing out kind of decisions that went against Ireland I, I don't see he's definitely not going to do that and I, I don't know if Andy like I just thought where does this take us you know if Eddie Jones like you know, like you've kind of Eddie Jones and Razzie on one extreme, and then you've other coach. I don't know where Farrell sits on this. You've other coaches who'll say nothing, and you've loads of players who are just absolutely terrified to say anything. And it, we complain about them as well. So I don't want to be kind of mealy mouthed about it. I mean, it gives us something to talk about, and, and you know, we in the media will feed on this, and we'll talk about it, and we'll write about it. But um, it does seem unbecoming of the director of rugby of a great rugby nation to be going on Twitter like a fan and drumming up the rabble to. You know, he he was accused of bullying Nick Berry, and Nick Berry was a far more experienced uh, official than um, the Georgian guy who was there yesterday. I, I do know his name, but I don't want to mangle it on, on live radio. So, yeah. um, I it it's unbecoming, I think, is the word. And that the, this time, you can't blame anyone else for leaking it either. No, I'm sure. That, like, you know, World Rugby can maybe I'll, he was. Hope World Rugby need to World Rugby need to clear some um, storage under under uh, servers because it's, <laughs> it's an incoming video. <laughs> I don't know if we'll get to see it. So we're pretty much out of time. Our rugby coverage with thanks to Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us, Roy O'Connor of the Irish Independent. Thank you for reviewing the papers and thanks for staying on. Appreciate no worries, it. Cheers, rugby on Off the Ball. With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.